For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. On 882 6PR, inspiring stories for Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, my guest in this episode is uh, a Perth lady born and bred, uh, but is now applying her trade on the world stage. And she did that in style uh, in 2019, uh, taking out uh, one of the major tournaments on the ladies' golfing calendar. Uh, I speak of Hannah Green, and uh, firstly, welcome, Hannah. You are one of the youngest people I think we've we've had oh, wow, on inspiring good. stories. Yeah, that's um, I suppose such as your extraordinary achievements in a pretty short space of time. Yeah. So belated congratulations on your victories last year. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, it must have taken a while to sink in. I mean, you know, to win a tournament is extraordinary, but to to win a major, yeah. th- that is major. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I flew home pretty much the day after, so took me at least three days to actually get back to Perth from the US. Um, yeah. And, yeah, pretty much the whole entire flight. I was kind of mm. like, oh, this is kind of strange. And, you know, get home, get to the airport, have yeah. some media there. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like this is obviously completely different for me. So, yeah, um, yeah it still kind of makes me think like, oh, wow, like I really did achieve that. It will probably be different once I get to that tournament and mm. be able to defend and, mm. you know, see my face a little bit um, around the – venue but um you'll yeah. be a target then too yeah yeah and it'll be interesting this year to see if we actually have spectators so that could be completely different and yeah. maybe even help me um, yeah be less nervous during the week an enormous trophy that you won too at that um that major yeah did you get to keep that a replica of it at least and yeah yeah so we get um a how do you take that on the plane i know well <laughs> I had the trophy that I lifted um, for just one night. They keep yeah. the trophy, but um, I got a smaller replica, um, okay. which is a lot, yeah, a lot smaller, <laughs> More and a lot lighter. Yeah, um, I couldn't believe how big it was. It was nearly taller than me when it was on its podium. So yeah, um, yeah, very cool. Got to at least have it for one night and yeah. celebrate and drink out of it. So, Excellent. Yeah, I'll ask you about that celebration in a moment because it was quite something seeing. Um, you know, such a, a civilised sport like <laughs> golf and then seeing you getting trenched in beer yeah. by some of your friends who were there uh, on the day. Um, but I know that the, the tour is about to sort of kick back in in some sort of fashion for 2020. Um, how do you how do you feel about that? Because it's going to require you to obviously travel abroad and go to places that we see on the news as being in a bit of strife when it comes to coronavirus. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Um because I've had so long off, I feel like I'm ready to go back and compete. Um, I just don't want to lose my edge if I don't go back out there anytime soon. So yeah. the tour, um, they have some events scheduled in the US. We have some in Scotland. So we're still doing a lot of travel, which is definitely mm. something that I'm worrying about and definitely in the back of my mind where I need to really be careful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just want to go out and compete and have some fun. This year is not going to be a normal year. Uh, no one's going to lose any of their status. So kind of been experimenting with my swing back home, um, trying to get some more distance. So it'd be really nice to see how much of an impact it makes on my game um, yeah. with not being too stressed, I guess, out mm. there. So what have you been able to do since you've been uh, back here in Perth and the tour's kind of been in recess? 
Yeah, so I guess I've been able to play with my swing just because there wasn't really any certain time for us to start. So I've actually been home since February, which is a long time for me, probably since my high school days. Um, so I've been trying to work on yeah, hitting it a bit harder, getting some more club head speed and getting some more distance. Mm. I wouldn't say that I particularly hit it that straight off the tee anyway, but I, I didn't really hit it that long, so there was no real advantage. So, yeah, just playing with this and having a bit of fun playing some courses that I haven't played in a long time, I've definitely noticed the difference. So I'm excited to get back out on tour and mm. to courses that I've played before and hopefully have some less club yeah. into the greens. Yeah, I suppose golf's one of those sports that uh, hasn't had to finish up completely and even in a recreational sense yeah definitely. You're locked down you can pretty easily socially yeah. distance you'd hope out um out in the good air, like fresh air that you could socially distance and there was a time that golf courses were closed for a couple of weeks but i'd say that was in march or april so it's been yeah. open for a long time so mm. it's been good for us golfers mm. um, at least we can yeah practice and play and still have some sort of idea of what we're doing yeah um, obviously your golfing game was still pretty strong prior to you going into uh, lockdown here and working on it and, and, and tweaking it because it, let's go back to your, your major uh, that you won in, in 2019. Um, just if you will, just, you know, for those who perhaps don't understand how the uh, the golfing tournament system works, I mean, I say it's a major, but, you know, it is one of the big tournaments to win. It's, I suppose, the tennis equivalent of a Grand Slam, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so for the females, we're actually lucky that we get five majors. Um, for the men, they get four. There is a, another tournament that people think is a major, but it hasn't quite got that title. So, yeah, that was my first breakout win on the LPGA and never really suspected it to come so early in my career and nor at that event. Um, yeah. It sounds, you know, quite cocky of me, but I didn't feel like I was really going to have a great week. Um, the previous week, I'd missed the cut. For those who don't really know, it, it means I didn't make any money the week before. So um wasn't really in the right headspace, I think, to say that I was going to win, but I guess there was no pressure on me. So it gave me a little bit of a different perspective to mm. look at the tournament um, when I was leading. So, I mean, how did you do I remember I watched a press conference that you did uh, shortly after your victory, and, and one of the people... Uh, in the media pack there asked you said you know Hannah you you hadn't had a great lead up you were 114 or something in the world going into it and all of a sudden you know at the age of what 22 you're strolling down the fairway about to win a major what changed in that week I mean yeah can you can you put a finger on it I honestly don't really know myself Um, I guess yeah different perspective of you know what it's like to play in a major I've never really been in contention before so to see, and I think it really helped that I had some Australians also following me, um, to have someone that was yeah, cheering a little bit louder mm. for me. Um, I'm never going to have a major at home, so to have some sort of, I guess, security yeah. in that sense. But I was just putting really well and short game was I could rely on, um, which is huge, and I've not really had that, I guess, my whole career. Mm. Um, so to be able to have that at such a, I guess, championship golf course, mm. um, it really helped, so... That's something that I know is my weakness and that's the thing that fluctuates the most. And I'd say when I won Portland, it was the same. I putted really well. So yeah. it's just hard to always hold parts. So if I mm. if I could, I'd be well number one. <laughs> so hopefully I can work on that and um, slowly see some progress. Mm. Um, that victory did very much put you on the map though, didn't it? And and I suppose make you uh, a scalp for others to, to beat. Yeah, definitely. Um, how does that pressure sit with you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess it was really world-changing um, winning that week. No one had really thought about me as a winner on tour and probably even myself. 
Um, so yeah, for girls to come up to me and say congratulations, you know, other major champions and you know world top tens, like girls that I don't really talk to or have never even played mm. or met before, to just get that it was really satisfying to see that you know the girls have noticed that I'm you know had a win. Mm. Um, and I think even the win in Portland to back it up a couple of months later was yep. just as big as the first one as yep. well. Yeah, um, you seem so unflappable through that tournament, particularly you know on the last day when uh, at times you were you know three strokes ahead, and then it, it narrowed, didn't it? And yet you seem to just have absolute complete control and composure. Um, was that all an illusion? Were you actually oh, <laughs> just a bundle of nerves? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first nine holes I was under control because I did have a three-shot lead. Um, but when I made the bogey on 11, um, I missed a short putt, which is easily makeable. That's kind of when I thought, oh, great. Like, I don't want to – like, I'm the only person that's going to lose it. No one yeah. else is going to win it. Um so then I did see the leaderboard a couple holes later and I gave myself really good opportunities coming down the stretch, but they just weren't quite going in. Um, mm. So the part on 16 was huge to give me a little bit of a buffer um, for then yeah, me to have the opportunity to actually make up and down on the last and yep. actually win not up and down to force yeah. a playoff. Um, tell me about the, the note that you received that you drew some inspiration from um, on that final day, particularly that, that a young fan gave you. Yeah, so I met Lily um, in April in 2019. Um, she was at the one of our other majors, our first one for the year, A&A. Um, I gave her a signed golf ball, didn't really think anything of so it. So she was just a random in yeah, the crowd. Yeah, yep. um, and she was down there watching us. And then, sure enough, she lives in Minnesota, so she came and watched. I think she was there two or three days. I don't think she quite made every, every round, but... Um, I had a bit of time when I was on the seventh green to then for the next hole, it was a par three and the girls had, I think, only just teed off. So I knew there was a bit of time for me to switch off. And at that time I wasn't too nervous. So um, I saw the her and her friend and she wanted to give me something. So sure enough, get this little note, open it up and it's the poem about me. So um, it was really <laughs> so cute and it was probably one of the best things that could have probably happened to me at that time. Just gave me a bit of time to think and kind of bring me yeah. back down to earth. Um, and yeah, a great way for me to switch off in between shots. So yeah. I read it then and then also read it, I think on the 14th hole when things were getting a little bit a little <laughs> shaky. shaky. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was really cool to see that. And Lily was even after I'd finished, she was there after I'd signed my scorecard and did some media, she was still there hoping that we could see each other, but I just got pulled in every direction. I, I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. 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 And have you still got. Yeah. So that, I've got it yeah. framed. Um, yeah. It's in my house, um, framed up. And I spoke with Lily probably four or five weeks ago. Oh, um, great. Because it's summer over there. She yeah. was doing some junior clinics this summer um, before school. So, yeah, it's, it's really cool. I'm still in touch with her so and her parents. you stayed in touch. Fantastic. Yeah. And yeah. I hope to go back to Hazeltine and hopefully see them again. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed you'll get a chance to defend <laughs> your, t your titles that you won in 2019. <laughs> yeah. Um, at some point, somewhere. Yeah. Um, we need to take a break. After the break, I, I want to ask you about um, your time with Kari Webb, you know, one of the absolute legends of Australian sport and how important she's been uh, to your career. Hannah Green is our special guest. This is Inspiring Stories. We'll be back with more in a moment. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. 
This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR. Brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, golfing superstar Hannah Green is our special guest in this episode. Uh, Hannah, Carrie Webb is, you know, she's been such an important um uh, a pioneer, really, for Australian golf, hasn't she? Not just you know, on the ladies' side of things, just golf generally. You know, she's one of our absolute superstars. Um, and I know that you've had a connection and a relationship with her uh, going back a few years now. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us when you first sort of came into her her orbit? Yeah, so I actually met her around five years ago. Um, she does a Kari Webb scholarship that she's been doing for maybe 10 years now. Yeah. Um, and so that gives us the opportunity uh, for two players here in Australia to go to watch her at the US Open. Um, and she also gives us some money to help us get there and then hopefully play some other tournaments while we're over there. So mm. I was able to win that in, yeah, 2015, went to my first US Open. So and you would have her. still been, what, at the end, tail end of school yeah, at yeah, that point? Yeah. yeah. So I would have been just a year and a half out of school. Right. So at least I didn't miss it too much. <laughs> um, but yeah, went and watched her and that was my first time meeting her, was, you know, knocking on her doorstep and waiting for her to answer yeah. at like 10 o'clock at night. I'd just flown at least 30 hours to get over there from Perth. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was really intimidated and nervous. Um, but she just made myself and Julian Sue, the other recipient, feel right at home and mm. really comfortable that week. And it was really cool. She was actually in contention as well. So yeah. we got to see, you know, the best of everything, you know, not just and, the goal. And her in, in proper game mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, she seems, I've never met Carrie Webb, but she seems like she's a, really strong character kind of no nonsense yeah. but if you're in her corner she'd have you back is that yeah absolutely. is that about right yeah definitely I mean a lot of people think that she's really serious on the golf course and it's just because she's so competitive yeah she definitely is able to switch it off once she gets off the golf course and have a bit of fun mm. so it was really cool for Julian and I to see that and um, yeah, first time actually watching her play in person for mm. both of us. So it was really inspiring to see her like do so well. Mm. And then in 2019, when you're there claiming that, that major victory, um, she was there too? Yeah, so it was really cool. I stayed in the house with her that week. So um, she asked myself and a couple other players if we would be interested to stay with her probably four months before the tournament started. Um and of course we said yes, there was no way we were going to say no. Um, so there was, I think, seven of us in the house, um, mm. all of us Australians. And then, um, yeah, it was crazy. She Unfortunately, she missed the cut, but it also gave me her the opportunity to be able to watch me the entire day on Sunday. So mm. um, I think she said that's the first time she's ever walked 18 holes outside <laughs> of the ropes. Um, so obviously that was really special for both of us, but I'm sure she got some pleasure out of watching, you know, someone yeah. that she's seen grow up yeah. um, from an amateur to a professional and win her first championship. She was one of the people that um, was sought out for commentary after your mm. your win and she almost spoke about you and your win like she was a proud auntie yeah is that the sort of relationship that you have yeah definitely um um, she's always messaging me now that she doesn't play so many events on tour now um which sucks for me I wish I could travel (laughs) with her more but Mm. she's always messaging me asking how I'm going um what events I'm playing she always wants to know what everyone's doing and she doesn't do it just for me she does it for everyone that she's you know met through a scholarship yeah um when she was uh, talking about you particularly uh, around that that tournament the way you held your held your nerve uh, on that final day. She talked about how um, you had that kind of, 
it's almost a gift. It's something you can't be taught. It's just something that you have in you that, um, you know, you almost coach yourself in that moment. Um, you keep your cool, you keep your composure, you stay together. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said that she hopes that someone doesn't try to teach it yeah. to you. Yeah. Obviously, it's that inner strength that you can just sort of breathe, take control, do what needs to be done. Yeah. I mean, do you know what she's talking about there? Can you describe what, what it is, what that, that sort of inequality that you have and where it might have come from? Yeah. So when I won, I, I played on the Symmetra Tour in 2017 and I was fortunate enough to win three times. And she did say that I had something different about me, but I wasn't mm. really sure what she was talking about because it wasn't as high a level as obviously an LPGA and, and a major. Yeah. Um, but I think because it was my first time in that situation and I I think I dealt really well with how I was playing and all the other things outside of golf, I think that's kind of what she meant. But for obviously like a major champion herself, one, winning seven majors over 20 events for someone of you know with her background – for yep. her to say that about me was just yeah crazy and probably the biggest compliment I'll get, ever yeah. get from her. Oh, it absolutely was. Yeah, yeah. A, an incredible compliment. Mm-hmm. Um, t- tell us about the moment then that you um, you finished up your round, the fourth round, and uh, <laughs> claimed your win. Um, not something you see all the time. I mean, you do get see people get you know sprayed with water or Gatorade or whatever's around, <laughs> but um, on a golf course, you don't often see people get drenched in beer. Yeah. I guess, um, so I honestly, from when I hold that part to signing my scorecard, it was a bit of a blur. So I remember, you know, getting not tackled, but having everyone come around me and, you know, some sort of liquid getting sprayed onto me. So it was more for when I saw the replay of it to see that it was beer um, and to see everyone come up. But yeah, it was apparently I was talking to the girls. They were trying to get champagne. But I guess over there with the time of day, they couldn't get champagne. So right. they had to, they were, they said they didn't want to get water because that's what everyone does every week. And they said they didn't want to be cheap. So they said, <laughs> we'll, we'll go into one of the tents behind the green and see what they have. And sure enough, beer was the only option. Um, or I think it was Coke was another option, but they didn't want to do that. <laughs> no. Um so yeah, I got doused in beer and I was at the golf course another four hours later doing media stuff and <laughs> towards the end of that, I smelt so bad. So I felt <laughs> felt really bad for everyone that was having to deal with me. But yeah, um, yeah it was it was so fun to see everyone and see how excited everyone mm. else was for me and their reactions. Yeah. And how did life change for you after that? Obviously, you know, your, your name's sort of etched in stone after that. You get a, a pretty pretty tasty paycheck to go yeah. with it with a win like that Definitely. um but you know day to day how was life different for you after that win so i was actually supposed to play the week after in arkansas it was a three-day tournament um but at that time i didn't really have a big management company to handle all the requests that i was receiving so the lpga were telling me that you know i had i think the monday after i'd won i had a phone call at 7 a.m with golf channel and then i had a couple other things to do in the afternoon and i was just so <laughs> So out of it, I guess, mm. because I've never had that much attention and that much need to do anything. So I decided to withdraw from the tournament um, and decided to book a flight home that Monday just night. Get, just get the hell out of there. Yeah. <laughs> so I was actually planning on going home after Arkansas anyway. So I was. I ended up having four weeks at yeah. home here in Perth. Um, 
So then I managed to get at least one week off where I didn't have to do anything. But mm. then the next three weeks, I had a lot of people wanting to talk to me and have me come and do stuff. So which which is absolutely understandable. Mm. Um, it's been so long since Kyrie had won, and I doubt Kyrie came straight home after she'd won her major. So it mm. was different in that sense. But I think it was just yeah the being noticed by other players on tour, which was the biggest difference for me. Instead of being walked past, they would say hello and. Um, even just the pairing, the next tournament I played was another major championship. Um, there'd only been three played that year. And so they put all of us three winners in that pairing. So mm. I got a prime time, um, mm. tea time. Didn't have to wake up too early, not too late. Um, played with Jin Young Ko and Lee Six, who are both in the top 10 in the world. So yeah. I felt a little bit starstruck you'd, playing yeah, with you'd, them. You'd really um, made it. Yeah. Mm. So it was definitely a big change, but something I'm getting used to. Yeah. And the media focus, uh, how, do you, how do you go with that? I've been all right with talking in front of people, but it's definitely something to get used to. Um, I think I was lucky that when I was an amateur, we did a little bit of training and I had some sort of, I guess, um, experience at doing it. Obviously not at a high level, but... Mm. Um, it's definitely not for everyone. I can understand why people get nervous because it's so hard with social media. Mm. So, some One bad comment can get taken the wrong way and get completely blown up. But mm. so far, I haven't done that. So, and <laughs> hopefully just, don't do that either. Hopefully today won't be the day that you <laughs> <laughs> throw something too loose out there. Yeah. Uh, we'll take a break anyway. You can have a breather and think <laughs> about what you're going to say next. Uh, Hannah Green is our special guest. This is Inspiring Stories. We'll be back with more very soon. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, We are hearing the inspiring story of uh, golfer Hannah Green, the 2019 Greg Norman medal winner, which I'll get to in a moment, Hannah. Um, but let's go back to your early years. Born in Perth, you went to Como Secondary College. Do you remember the the time you first picked up a golf club or became sort of intrigued by this game? Um, so I was looking at baby photos a while ago and I actually found a, a photo of myself holding a putter when I was probably 12 or 18 months, but there was no wow. way that I actually played it then. <laughs> yeah. Um, I well, think something it was more you just whack things in the house with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it was more of a setup pose for a yeah. this type of photo. But um, I think the first time I probably took up hitting golf balls with dad was when I was eight or nine. Yeah. Um, I started clinics at Hillview Golf Course when I was about nine, nine and a half, I want to say. So at the time I was doing swimming and tennis, so both individual sports. So golf kind of just made sense to me to try yeah. and play. And I thought it was cool that dad was playing as well um, so that I could possibly try and beat him, mm. uh, which I'd say most girls especially, that's how they get into the sport is their dad or grandfather have some sort of you know mm. idea of playing golf and they so want to join him. Dad was the keen golfer. Yeah, dad's yeah. the golfer, but mum also was probably more the caddy and the one that took me to all my tournaments. So it was definitely a partnership in trying to get me to play golf. Yeah. Um, Did you fall in love with it pretty quickly? I think I did. Um, I think I was pretty fussy as a kid, to be honest. So I think I did like it at the start, but because I could, you know, challenge myself and as well challenge myself against others, that was probably the thing that drew me in. And I I mean, when I first started, I only played at Hillview. I didn't play other golf courses, Mm. but... 
to the fact that I could change menu all the time. I thought that was really cool. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I started playing. Back then it was called the Grand Marsh Junior Golf Foundation. Um, they had, you know, five-hole tournaments, nine-hole tournaments, and 18 holes. So um, kind of worked my way through the foundation. And mm. then Golf WA came along and started to make state teams and mm. then national teams. So kind of, yeah, just kept on jumping up a level and mm. seeing myself progress. And, and is that what sort of drove you to keep practicing and get better? I mean, you know, to fall in love with, with golf as a, uh, as a youngster, it's not – you know, it's not a, it's not the the normal go to sport for a, a lot of kids. You know, what was it? Was it just a, you know, that feeling you get when you smash a drive? Was it just being out in the fresh air, the cut grass? What what was it that you connected with? Yeah, I think the satisfaction of hitting a good shot, even yeah. if you hit ten bad shots, and you just hit one, you're just like, okay, I you can get a do buzz. This. Yeah, mm. and I think because yeah, I had the opportunity to play with my dad and also be outside um, in the mm. fresh air. I think that was one real thing that kind of drew me to the sport but um also a lot of the girls that I got to meet and play with um I, when I I joined a Hartfield golf club um and there was only one other junior girl there but there was a few other boys that were really good and made me feel really intimidated but then I eventually joined Mount Lawley where I am today and I think there was five or six girls that I could play with so it was fun for to see you know other girls at my level that I could play with all the time and kind of wanted me to still play um and not be yet too intimidated by other people that were better do you remember the first time you beat your dad oh i probably was maybe 12 or 13 (laughs) my dad's a good player he's currently playing off a nine handicap so um but yeah i i wish i could look back and remember the exact (laughs) day because that's not the first time that i've actually had that question but um I think Dad was upset, but also very happy. <laughs> yeah. mixed emotions, I <laughs> yeah. imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I suppose you'd you'd wipe the floor with him now. Yeah, <laughs> but he'd be he'd be quite okay with that. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. He's very proud. And, and at what point did you start to think to yourself, I can pursue this as a sport and a profession and a career, not just something I kind of do when I'm not at school. Yeah. So I guess. When I started making state teams here, I had really no idea how many other girls wanted to become a professional and become mm. a really good athlete. So that's when I got some exposure to go travel to the East Coast and see that there were just as many girls here in, you know, in on the East Coast as there were in Perth that wanted to you know, do what I wanted to do. So it gave me a big eye-opener to see that I needed to work a lot harder. And the same thing for when I went to travel internationally. Um, being a part of the Asia Pacific, you know, I got to travel a lot to Asia and play in teams and obviously in the women's sport, the Koreans are dominating at the moment. So got to play with some of the girls that are on tour and winning week in, week out. So Mm. that was probably even a bigger eye opener. And then when I got to go watch the US Open, I just felt like I wasn't ready at all. Um, So I guess the spark for me to want to turn professional, I probably would have been in year 10, um, deciding whether I should go there you know, what sh- I should do with school, yep. um, whether I should, you know, want to go to university or even go to college in the US or just try and make it as professional. And I wasn't very academic at all. So <laughs> that was probably one of my, you know, reasons why I didn't go that route either. Because but. you were so distracted by golf <laughs> and you, 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 your heart wasn't in the yeah probably the academic stuff at school. I mean, I've always been brought up on sport yeah. and um, I think because I was always doing that, I just didn't really take a liking to studying. Yeah, so I'll blame golf. For that. <laughs> <laughs> Things have worked out okay. Yeah, exactly. Having said that, exactly. if, if you know, God forbid you couldn't play golf for whatever reason, mm-hmm. what, what do you reckon you'd be doing now? 
Oh, honestly, I have no idea. I still think I would be in the sport industry. Um, I would always love to be a player, but who knows whether I would have made it in any mm. other sport. Um, my dad really wanted me to become a swimmer, um, but I just didn't enjoy training and you know watching a black line all, all day long. So um, perhaps I would have done that, but I really did enjoy tennis when I did play, but I don't know if I would have been good enough anyway. So something in the sport industry. And yeah. I even think about that now, you know, once I finish my golf career and hopefully I'm healthy and it's because I want to retire and not because I have to. Yeah. Um, I still think I would want to stay in the golf industry and try mm. and help out in some way back here in Perth. Yeah. Who were the people that you looked up to uh, at that age then that you drew inspiration from? Yeah. So I guess my dad was the biggest inspiration at the start because, you know, I could see him hit the ball so far and I was like, wow, like mm. that's so good. And then started beating him (laughs) um, you know was watching a lot of golf on tv and that's definitely when Kyrie became my idol um she was still winning by the time I was watching her on tv I think she just won an Australian Open and won a Founders Cup so some really good tournaments and then I finally got the opportunity to meet her a couple years later it was yeah really inspiring Mm. I mean these are kind of solo sports you're talking about um so you're obviously quite quite comfortable, you know, being in your own head and controlling your own yeah. thoughts, you know, because it is quite a different dynamic to being in a team environment, isn't it? Yeah, very um, much so. In terms of sort of developing your mind game as it went on, it, I mean, did you did you read a lot? Did you did it just come naturally to you? How did that sort of develop over those years? Yeah, I must say it came pretty naturally. Yeah. Um, I am an only child, so when mm. I was traveling, I was by myself quite a lot. And I think golf kind of is a sport where you need to grow up a little bit um, anyway. When I was playing golf at Mount Lawley, even though there were other juniors that I could play with, sometimes I was playing with ladies that, you know, were the same age as my mum. So I had to communicate with someone in a different way as to what you probably would if you were just talking to coaches and stuff. So I think golf has definitely helped me in that aspect, be able to, you know, have a conversation with someone and mm. be comfortable talking to someone if in if I didn't feel comfortable in the first place. So I think, yeah, with golf, especially with all the, you know, rules and, you know, guidelines, I guess you kind of have to realise sometimes you have to do things that you yeah. might not want to do. So yeah, That's life, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. exactly. When, when you're actually out on the course you know in a, in a tournament and you'd you're out there for a few hours mm-hmm. and it's just pretty much you and your caddy there yeah. are you, are you constant is it constant chatter you just are you talking about you know the the way the grass is falling that day <laughs> or which or are you just you're chatting about whatever what movie you saw last night or yeah it's uh, it's pretty random yeah but I'd say most of the time when I'm playing well I am chatty I, yeah. that's probably one thing I've noticed um that when I'm playing bad, I like to, you know, get my own little shell and not yeah. really talk to anyone. And I know when I'm playing well, I do talk. So that's something my caddy knows and he will notice it if I am, you mm. know, shying off a little bit. Um, but we talk about anything, to be honest. Yeah. I remember when I won KPMG on the 18th hole, we had to wait for the group in front to tee off and we were talking about this year's venue for the British Open. So sometimes we talk about golf, sometimes it's, yeah, what are we doing just after the round? Yeah, yep. something to just kind of switch off yeah because it's a pretty unique relationship really isn't it yeah absolutely yeah I mean, i'm spending time with my caddy seven or eight hours a day yeah um, it's got to be someone that you like <laughs> yeah, exactly um, and same for, goes for them when yeah. they're you know choosing which player they want to work with yeah. they, even though you know that's how they make their money is off mm. us they still want to mm. enjoy their work so yeah absolutely when you're 
you know, the, obviously things are a bit different in 2020, but your calendar across a year, um, you know, how much of it are you on the go traveling to the next tournament and one after that and one after that? And how often are you home? How does your year look? So I generally try and play 24 events a year, but most of the time I'd probably have four or five weeks off that I wouldn't be here in Australia. So I guess that leaves, it kind of depends as well because I am traveling for so long when I go to the US. I think last year I spent nearly 14 days on airplanes. So um, I am home quite often um, and that's something that I've been conscious about because I do get pretty homesick. So that's going to be one real big challenge for me this year not having the option to come home as much as I would like. Yeah. But this year is just going to be so crazy anyway. Everyone's going to have to face a lot of things that they don't want to. So, yeah, hopefully I can come home soon, but mm. um, we'll see how, how it goes. And when you are home? Um, I Well, when I'm home, usually if, I'm, if it's during the season, um, I try and schedule myself three or four weeks off just so I can get over the jet lag from yeah. wherever I've come. Um, generally take the first week off, not touch a club, you, you just don't even touch them. Yeah, just leave them in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> don't even get them out of the suitcase. Um, it's better that way. Otherwise, I want to keep playing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just, I guess, probably catch up on sleep. That's the biggest mm. thing that I'll, I'll do. Um, I do get pretty exhausted when I'm on the road for quite some time. Um, and then, yeah, have a couple of weeks of practicing and seeing my coaches, seeing my physio. Um, my whole entire team is here in Perth. Mm. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. So that's probably why I'm conscious about coming home and getting yep. myself some good, yep. I guess, rest and also some good time to get ready for when I go back out. When you're home though and you're not sleeping, are you, know, <laughs> are you, are you a gamer or are you yeah. just catch up with friends or yeah, probably you know, catching walk the up. dog? What is it that you kind of just a real simple yeah. homebody thing that you like to do? I guess catching up with friends and family is probably the number one thing I want to do when I'm mm. home, but... Um, even when I'm on the road, I actually like to do jigsaws. So that's something that I obviously can kill a lot of time. Um, it's something that my friend Sue and I started doing probably June last year. So, um, I do that when I'm at home, but yeah, just catching up with everyone. Yes. I don't always get to see them when I yep. have the two weeks here. So yeah. Yeah, trying to make sure I can see everyone. Do it when you can. Yeah. Very good. Uh, we need to take another break. Hannah Green is our special guest. We'll be back with more on inspiring stories in just a moment. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest in this episode is golfing pro uh, Hannah Green. Uh, Hannah, you've spoken about how you like to base yourself here in Perth, but logistically, there must be a pretty strong argument for you to base yourself somewhere more like the States. Florida seems to be the go-to place. Yeah. Is, is that is that even a, a thought you're entertaining? Um, it definitely was a, a thought a couple of years ago when I was doing three or four months in the road. But now that I do come home... Um, I mean, obviously, it's tough with the travel, and so mm. far I'm handling it. Uh, who knows if I'll be able to do it in the next five years. But um, at the moment, I don't see myself getting a place. Yeah. Um, I am very fortunate um, that Golf Australia have started renting a house um, in Florida, actually, um, for those who, I guess, are in the same situation as me, don't want to pay or pay for rent each week, even though mm. I might be there four or five weeks a year and or even buy a place. So. 
that's actually in Orlando, so a big hub, um, some mm. really good golf courses there and actually a lot of other Aussies living around that area. So I have that option for now. Mm. Um, we'll see how it that's goes. That's enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wait till you get sick of the time on planes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll see how the body holds up with the 30-hour uh, journeys everywhere. Now, I know that um, your partner is also a golfer, Jared mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Felson. Um <laughs> Pandemic, I imagine, has allowed you to spend more time together. But, you know, outside of that, when do you guys actually see each other? I know. So that's also another thing that, I guess, dictates the schedule for both of us is when we can see each other. And last year was great because I was able to come home every six to eight weeks. And um, when I was home, Jared was always home. So that made it obviously really handy. But um, this year, Jared was meant to be on the European tour, so mm. I think he was going to be on the road for six months. Um, so obviously, with no events happening, um, we've both been at home the last four months, so it's been really nice. But then again, I might be gone for four months, so yeah. it's going to be difficult. But That's that's tough, yeah, isn't it? It's something we've always done. Um, we've almost been dating for eight years. So Is that right? Yeah. Wow. It's, it's something we've always done. So like with us being home for so long together, it's been really strange i don't think we've ever done it for four months in a row so <laughs> it's been good it's i been don't even testing. want to ask how it's been <laughs> <laughs> i know it, it's been testing but it's been good yeah. um especially since there isn't any tournaments that's probably when we get a little bit you know yeah bit on each other's nerves yeah. but um no it's been really nice actually do you go out and, and play around together or do you keep that separate we have had um some rounds together recently um but because Jared doesn't have anything competitive happening anytime soon, I haven't tested him or wanted to, I guess, pull his arm and try and beat him. Um, yeah. But yeah, we've had a few casual hits recently and it's been really nice because, yeah, I'm, I'll be leaving very soon. So. Yeah. And, and are you ready? Are you itching to get back out there and play competitively? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've had some good warm-ups um, here in Perth. Golf WA have been setting some challenges for us professionals who uh, want to play and then also some of the top amateurs here in WA. So I've had a couple of competitive rounds, um, but obviously tournament golf is going to be very different. And yeah, I just hope that I'm not too rusty when I get back out there, but I mean, everyone's thinking the same thing. So we all got to deal with it. And more than likely you'll be playing um, in at at places where no crowds are allowed to be. Is that... Is that a strange sensation? Because I imagine you would get used to yeah. um, being watched as you as you go around from hole to hole. Yeah, it's going to be different. And I think the thing that I'm concerned about is making sure that I'm hyped up enough in the yeah. right situation. Um, for right now, I think we're going to go with no crowds for quite some time. Um, it's hard because we are in the US and every state has different, you know, I guess, guidelines at the moment. So... I think the second tournament back on the schedule, they're going to allow crowds, but, right. you know, I think yeah. only 2,000, so mm-hmm. everyone can social distance. But um, when we go over to the UK, there's definitely not going to be any crowds at all, which will probably be the, mm. be the strangest. And even not having grandstands and yep. anything like that, to actually see the golf course bare will be very strange. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully I can get hyped up enough and... Yeah. Um, yeah, feel ready when I get back out there. It's interesting you say that because you don't seem like you're hyped. Yeah. Which is probably a good thing yeah. when you're out there. But, um, you know, obviously when you when you grow up and you're falling in love with the sport, there are no crowds and then yep. suddenly there are. Yeah. Um, it's is it is it a question of sort of, you know, rising to that level of intensity that's required in a tournament yeah. and the crowds are part of that? Yeah, definitely. Like I don't want to be too excited and then I don't want to be too flat. Yeah. So yeah. I think the crowd... 
yeah, obviously that would make me more excited and more nervous, but yeah. I hope that, yeah, no crowds won't make me too flat. And luckily I do have someone to rely on with my mm. caddy and I'm sure most girls will kind of feel the same anyway. Mm. Um, so perhaps we can try and help each mm. other out a little bit in that aspect. Yeah. Um, just lastly, um, I, I mentioned earlier, you are the, the 2019 Greg Norman uh, medal winner, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically given to, you know, the most outstanding Australian golfer of that year, uh, which probably didn't come as a massive surprise to a lot of people that you won it last year. But I mean, when that's been sort of put around your neck, how does that feel? Yeah, it was really cool um, to see Minji had won that the previous year and then Mike Leishman, Jason Day, obviously great players. Mm. um, I was, yeah, definitely not shocked because obviously winning a major Mm. championship is so big, even with Minji winning some events and some of the boys. But um, I think the coolest thing was actually to talk to Greg because that was the first time I'd ever, you know, spoken yeah. with him. And then also Kara presenting me the medal. Yeah. Um, that was a surprise of the night. I actually didn't know she was doing that oh, until right. she actually yeah. got up on stage. So I almost started crying. <laughs> we both held it together. But, yeah, to be recognised by the players on that board that who select us, um, yeah, very honoured to yeah. you know, have, I guess them thinking about me to put mm. me in that spot. Well, good luck uh, for whatever the rest of 2020 <laughs> holds. I know it probably wasn't uh, quite what you had in mind, particularly defending uh, the two championships that you won last year, but uh, good luck for the rest of 2020 and beyond. And maybe we'll be speaking to you again at some point and reflecting on some more wins yeah. under your belt. So thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another WA inspiring story. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.